So really, it's going to be Miller Lite if I really am not looking for nothing crazy. Um, if I really want to get something like popping, um, I love Chimay. Chimay is like um, definitely up there for me. So I would have the Beatles pretty high up there. Um, and then just because, you know, I'm a hip hop kid, I got to throw in uh, my hip hop favorite artist will probably be, I would say Feral Monch is my favorite MC of all time. Right now, if I like, you know, if I was going to have my last meal, um, there's a barbecue spot in Kansas City called um, Jack Stacks. And I would go there. They have the most amazing burnt ends, like the beef burnt ends. I would say, yeah, the burnt ends at Jack Stacks is like the go to for me. If I can if I can fuck that up, it's a good day. Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. I'm still old head, Ed. Thank you for joining me another week. Another special guest. Another time around. Um, I hope everybody's doing well in these times. And hopefully getting back to normal because the phases are starting to drop. Um, but don't rush. I mean, my advice is don't rush. Let's see what happens first. But in the meantime, what you can count on is that this podcast still continues to roll on. And with that, I'd like to say that this week's guest can most likely be found at a soiree for skeptics. Working on a strategy to win the war within in order to make it into the further. He's an MC, a producer, a member of the group Mayday, and most recently, a fellow podcaster. So shouts to that on, on his own. I'm talking about South Florida's own, or in the words of Brother Quick the Poet, I want to say life's very own, recognized. Yeah, what up, what up, what up? There you go. How we doing, Rex? I'm chilling, brother. You know, trying to, as good as can be, trying to, you know, trying to be, uh, trying to survive the pandemic and be productive and, you know, drink some beers and shit. Agreed. Um, that's definitely something that, that it is an essential part of uh, surviving a pandemic is having a beer. I mean, it's, it's and, proven. Um, it's a proven uh, fucking essential because they kept the liquor stores open. So exactly. So who am I to argue with? You know what they keep open and what they don't. Yeah, that. For real. So Rec MC, uh, how did that start off for you? Um, MC started very young for me. It's uh, going back till I was maybe about like nine, ten years old. Um, in terms of just music in general, I started writing, like trying to write songs when I was like nine or 10, my, both my parents are into music. So my dad, um, my dad and my mom met when he was in a band and my mom became like a backup singer in his band. He plays guitar. Um, he's been like a songwriter, singer songwriter my whole life. And, um, and yeah, I always just looked up to him doing it. He never encouraged us to go into music, but me and my sister just idolized my dad. Uh, we didn't we didn't grow up with him because my parents split up when I was like seven. So uh, for the, those like next few years between like seven and nine, we'd go visit him in New York. He lives in uh, in Manhattan, so we go kick it up there with him. And um, around maybe I think maybe right around when I hit nine. Um, we were in New York with my dad and we, me and my sister were asking him like, how do you write a song? You know? And he, he, he said, all right, well, I'll, I'll show you right now. You know? So he like got the guitar out and we sat there, the three of us, and we wrote a record together and, you know, mostly him, but he was guiding us. We were trying to help and shit. And, um, and then, yeah, he took us into a studio in New York and scheduled studio time and, and we went and recorded it. And that was like my first session, like nine, just, just after I turned nine. So, um, yeah, we did a song called tell me which way. 
And then I was like, I fell in love. I was like hooked from that moment, you know, and uh, between like nine and 11, I started to like really just start start to write poems, write like what I thought were, you know, songs, my first attempts at songs. And then right around like 11, I got introduced to, to hip hop for real. And I started to really get into hip hop. And then it really kind of like ruined me in terms of like singing, because at first I, at that time, fucking singing wasn't cool in hip hop, you know? Yeah, nobody yeah. wanted to do everyone hated r&b and everyone was like fuck singing and shit so i kind of like didn't I, I stopped like trying to sing and i was like yo i'm a fucking rap you know and i and i started really getting into to emceeing from that point you know like i got snoop's uh doggy style album i got biggie's ready to die and from there i was okay. like i'm i'm in this i'm hooked you know no for sure for sure you mentioned coming from a musical family it's uh, it's, it's a funny tie-in 1993, this day in 1993, Guru's Jazz Volume One had dropped. Um, there was there was a, a misconception that your that your parents were involved somehow with Guru's Jazz at the band. Yeah, that's not true. no, that's not true. <laughs> it um it started because in an interview somewhere back in the day, I don't know if it was pre um, the MTV battle I did or after, but um somewhere around that time they asked me about my history, family history, and like how I came up, and I said. Um, what, what I always felt was cool is that my dad introduced me to like my parents were music heads and my dad introduced me to Guru, you know, who would, and, and basically he introduced me to Guru through Jazzmatazz. And I didn't mean like personally, I just meant that he introduced me yeah. to the music, you know, like a lot, not a lot of people could say their, their pops introduced them to, to hip hop artists they never heard of, you know, so. Yeah, you know so theoretically yeah yeah so i was like oh, so i said he introduced me to guru and like and then from then like i got into gangstar and i started you know at that time i was only listening to gangster like gangster rap for real so i didn't really know because i came in at that time a little bit late i didn't really know about mm. tribe i didn't know about Dayla, i didn't know about gangstar you know so my pops said to me oh yo there's this look check this jasmine's has thing it's, it's kind of funky and it's cool and not, you might like it i know you like rap and I was like, yeah, it's cool. And he showed me a tribe song too. He showed me, I think once again was out at that time. And uh, he, he showed okay. me once again. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. But in my head, I was like, it's not, you know, it's not Biggie and the fucking Snoop and shit. It's like, it's cool. It's mother shit. <laughs> but um, once I got into it and started like investigating it, I, you know, I, I started really like exploring all avenues of, of the genre. But, um, but yeah, I said that and, and somebody misconstrued it and like quoted it wrong as being like, I, he introduced me uh, to guru yeah because they were and then then somehow it got into a, a telephone game of that they were in a band together and i never said nothing close to that I, that was just one of those ones where i was like somebody wikipedia that shit and just changed it you know yeah yeah no doubt no doubt talk to me about coming up in south florida and having those influences like you said listening to snoop dogg which i think snoop dogg was across the board everybody was digging it biggie smalls um also i think a staple in hip-hop but Coming up in South Florida with kind of like having an ear for that as opposed to what was like the standard South Florida music. Um, how was that? Um, yeah, it was it was um, I lived mostly like when we first moved to the States from from England. I came to from England when I was like five and then we moved uh, first to NMB and I went to like uh, elementary school in North Miami Beach. And then uh, oh, yeah, we're right. uh, did you go say I went to Mady Ives? Yeah, Mady Ives. OK, OK. No, right right there on one on Aventura Boulevard. So yeah, I went I went to Mady okay. Ives and then um my family like right at the end of no, halfway through the year 5th grade moved me up to Hollywood. So then um yeah. I went to ele- my, like half a year of elementary in Hollywood and then I went to middle school um up north in Broward and Park at Parkway. I went to like the theater program there. So like I was kind of okay. all over Miami a little bit, 
But um, when I went into Hollywood, mm. it was a little bit different than Miami. You know, there really was no hip hop scene in Hollywood back then. Um, it you know it, everything was in Miami, and and I was still too young. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a nothing, so I couldn't get to any of that Miami shit. So um, I just kind of like was hearing about it from afar, and then just kind of like you know studying the magazines and the CDs and the tapes and shit. Um, and of course, I was super into. Um, all the Miami shit, the Miami base, the Uncle Al, the fucking, you know, 69 boys, fucking two live, two live crew, poison clan. Yeah. Like we were into all that shit. We loved all that shit. Um, and then I was slowly like through middle school getting into stuff like the Fugees and Outcast and like the outside influences. But, um, it was weird because, uh, coming up in Broward, like I was one of the few kids that rapped. There was very few kids that rapped at that time, you know, like in school, there'd be maybe like a handful of us in a whole fucking school. Whereas in Miami, there was a fucking armada of MCs. You know what I mean? They would all meet up at lunch and do the lunchtime beat battles and like beat on the fucking desks and all that shit. And we didn't have none of that. So um, I don't know. I don't know if that was like in retrospect, I don't know if that was like more helpful or more hurtful that, when I was in high school in Broward, it was like me and like two other people that rapped for real, you know, maybe, maybe like I started to make a couple more friends and then it became like maybe five or six of us. But some of those kids, I was just like, yo, you should try rapping. You know, I had to like put them on to, yo, this is what I do. And I love, I'm into hip hop and rap. You want to like try it? And, oh yeah, cool. Um, there was maybe a few other kids that actually did it before they like got linked up with me. But um, so, you know, there yeah. wasn't really like a lot of competition. There wasn't really a lot of like, people challenging each other and making projects and shit. And I, I so I didn't get experience, like, um, I didn't get exposed to that until I started making my way down to Miami to go to these like B-boy jams and, and uh, MC battles and shit. So when I started going there is when I started seeing people with vinyls and like, Oh, they press up their own CDs. Like none of that shit was going on in Hollywood back then, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, it was, uh, it was weird. Like it was cool in a sense because um, I stood out a lot in, in Broward um, so when I was in school, like people knew me that I rapped and they knew like I, that was my shit. But um, but it yeah, there wasn't a lot of like resources going on. There wasn't a lot of kids making beats or none of that shit. So I felt like I would have got a little bit more of a leg up maybe if I if I went to school in Miami. But, um, at, you know, there yeah. I guess it, it worked out for the best in the in, in the sense because I, I learned what I learned in Broward and then I ended up moving down to Miami later. So I feel like um overall. I was happy with like the experience I got from South Florida and I feel like our scene is is supremely underrated and only just recently now with the younger kids coming out of Florida now are is Florida like really getting respect in the you know in the genre. Yeah, you're not lying. Um it's it's interesting cuz I've always tried to keep an ear out uh, for South Florida music and um you know I I'd find pockets here and there. I go to you know some venues, see some cats open up for people, and um, and it, it, I don't remember back then. And I'm talking about I was, this was like '93, '94, where I was kind of in the right place to to like venture out and look for this music, um, and um, and I didn't find it as commonly as I do now. Matter of fact, there's stuff that's popped up within the last ten years that I had no idea was coming out of here or that existed. But um, shouts to um, H2 Owens, kind of a segue. Shouts to H2 Owens and his uh, Vice City Cypher, the, uh, the WVCC, the Cypher Life Radio, yeah. actually. Um, that's that's a hell of a conduit. And it, it opened up my ears to stuff that I was like, oh, crap, there's shit like this here in Broward or South, you know, South Florida in general. Um, I imagine you taking that journey down in Miami 
is what kind of uh, cross pat will help cross paths with uh, H2O. Um, yeah, yeah, I met him. To be honest with you, it's been so long now. I can't really even remember where we met. I'm guessing though we met like mm. I can't remember the specific instance, but um, uh, I, we met from what I can remember at one of these jams. You know, like I would I went down, I got a flyer somewhere. Somebody passed me a flyer of a uh, um who can roast the most or one of those uh, b boy jams that they used to have with the Polish American gotcha. Club, and um. And then, yeah, I went, I started going down there and just like trying to make friends and, you know, make, make contacts and see who, see what was going down. And, um, it was a tough scene to break into because a lot of these kids went to school together. So when I got there, I was just like the odd man out from Broward. Nobody knew trying to get up in the MC mm. battles and all these dudes knew each other. So it was like a very weird way for me, like for me to come in, I could feel like they were a little bit like aversive to me, you know, but there, I did meet some kids right off the rip, like H2O, like Rudy Goblin, who like became real friends of mine real fast. They were just really open and like helpful and like saw that I was hungry and wanted to get involved. And to H2O's credit, he's always been doing the kind of like that Vice City Cypher shit. He's always kind of been about that. He's always been the dude who like, yeah. he wants to prop everybody else up. He wants to create a platform. He wants to put people on and like, and big up the music and the art that he respects and appreciates. And he's always so passionate about doing that. I always got to give him so much respect because I learned a lot of shit coming up with him when we were in the Illiterats together. Cause we, you know, we started, we ended up starting a group together and me, him and Rudy Goblin mm -hmm. did, uh, did an album. We did a bunch of mixtape stuff and then we did did an album together and um is that was that uh infestations yeah, was yeah, the yeah, album that was the one so we did okay. infestations and um I, I had my mpc at the crib and i was making beats i didn't even know how to put bass lines on beats then so i was doing, i was doing beats with no with no bass it was just drums and samples and uh and then yeah we did a bunch of music and um h2o went to la with me when i got my first deal and um he he was in there with the sessions that I did for uh, business as usual. He co-wrote on that joint with me. He um, he co-wrote on a couple of the songs that didn't make the cut for that that project. And um and yeah, he's just he was just the homie man for for years and years and years. We've, we've been super down and and uh, we lost touch for a little while. Just you know life and like he had kids and family and the whole thing and everybody kind of was like doing their own thing. And then recently, kind of I relinked up with him and. Uh, and yeah, it was just like nice to like get to kick it with him again and catch up with him. And then he just dropped the project. So it's been like fun to watch him. Like he's always been dope. He just, uh, you know, he, I feel like he kind of like disengaged the music scene for a little while in terms of putting his own shit out. He, he's always been bigging people up, which I was, you know, you, you just yeah. love him for that. But he like disengaged in terms of like putting his own solo shit out. Um, so now to see him doing it, I just talked to him today about it and I was like, man, like the mixtape rides, this shit's super dope. I've been waiting to like ride to a project of yours for years, you know, and it's so good to see him doing it now. That, that seems like the consensus. Cause, um, again, yeah, I met him, I met him years ago. He had through, he had through a show or put a show on here in, uh, in Broward. And uh, I went out cause I just happened to know the, the people who owned the venue where he was doing it. And I got to, to meet him, well, meet him there. Here is, here is some of his music along with um, J5. And, uh, and yeah, man, that was like the first time I heard it. But since then, I hadn't really kept up with what he was doing or if he had put anything out. So uh, likewise, now I'm listening to this 35-track project um and and it's something else it's like okay yeah this this should have been around forever yeah man but, uh, he's always but he's dope. always been uh, since i since the first time i met him and the first time i heard him rhyme he's always been a phenomenal writer 
uh, just amazing with the pen, yeah. like very descriptive, super like the way he plays with the shit is dope. To me, he was like Miami's like Micah nine kind of to a degree. Like he had a very like he, yeah. the way he flowed, like his cadence was always like unpredictable to a sense. And then he was very, Ooh. very sharp with the wordplay. I, I would argue he's one of the the, the best MCs in terms of wordplay in Miami's history ever. Like I, I would I was, I would put that on anything. Wow, yeah, strong. Yeah. That's, that's and, and a strong was dope, point. Was yeah. now people can finally actually because because it was kind of like a secret because he wasn't really putting himself out there like that. But now he has this mixtape. It's like a, a finally a way for people like to be like, oh shit, okay. I, I kind of I always knew this dude at the jams, and I heard him rapping the cipher. But at the cipher, you don't get a real chance to like ingest the lyrics like you do mm-hmm. on a on a project, you know. Correct, correct, definitely, definitely. So shouts yeah. to H two Owens. Now he's Bruce Beats and he's alumni. So shouts yeah. to him for sure. So we jump forward. I know most people are familiar with the battle history, so I'm gonna kind of like glance over that because there's a lot more. Um, you got signed. You were signed to South Beat 2010, was it? Uh, no, actually, it was a little earlier than that. It was they they got to me right after the the MTV battle, and then I want to say, um, I think I signed around like 2000, end of 2004, maybe 2005, somewhere around there. Um. Oh, so you got with May- Mayday was two thousand. Yeah, I joined. I, I joined Mayday two thousand nine, and then we signed to Strange Music in two thousand eleven. Yeah, there you go. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Okay, dope, dope. Um, so yeah, so stop. So South Beat, you was doing your own thing, and then you came across Mayday. How did uh, yeah, that South Beat? Well, basically, when the when I came back from MTV, there was like a buzz for me winning the shit, and you know, I had a little project I was working on with a producer called Nick Fury, and um, we were, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, Dope, yeah. That's, my, that's my brother right there. So we did a lot of work back then. He was helping to develop me and shit. And um, we they they ended up um a, a couple a homie of Plexes. He was in a group called Algorithm at that time. Their their dude who was like co-managing their group at the time, they were starting their own indie label and it was called Gorilla Arc. And they had a really dope like vibe for it, the way they were gonna like, you know, put the the imagery together. They had a really good plan for it. And um what ended up happening is the dude uh, who was managing the group, he worked for um, a big adult entertainment company, uh, like the dudes who like uh, had realitykings.com, fucking, they had a, they had a 30, 40 like, big porn websites. And those dudes got interested in music okay. and they wanted to put together their own label. So what they ended up doing was somehow that an, an original idea kind of got shifted up to these dudes. And then they basically put together their own label, which was South Beat. And all the artists that were going to, rock on gorilla arc got upstreamed basically into this south beat situation so i went and i was <clears throat> i was actually the first artist that they signed uh to south beat and mayday was i think like second or third you know so mayday was right got signed right next to me and i already kind of knew burns and plex a little bit as a fan because i was at, th- at this time i was going to the jams <laughs> and i was going to the shows and i was familiar i was buying vinyl of like Death to the general public and fucking Evolver, which was Burns Group back in the day, and Algorithm. So I had their vinyl. I was a fan. I just lived in Hollywood, and I was like, yo, these Miami cats get down. And I was buying their records and to the point where I would go to their shows and meet them on some fan shit. You know, I'd just be like, yo, man, Plex, the remix you did for Proper Word is fucking super nasty, man. I'd love to rock one of your beats one day, you know, um, that kind of shit. Yeah. And so I, we, we kind of already knew each other a bit. And then we got kind of friendly right up until the I did the battle. And when I went to do the MTV battle, Plex lived in New York and he came to the battle. He's actually in the like he was in the lobby when we were like in the in the fucking spot where we were recording the battle. He was there. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the first time okay. I went to check him for beats. Like I went in to his apartment in New York. He played me some tracks. Said, we, uh, you know, that's when we started talking about working together. Um, and then when the deal situation solidified, him and Burns moved back because they were both living in New York at the time. They moved back to Miami to come work on the music. And then we ended up just kind of being in the same building a lot. You know, we were like, uh, we were just, I'd be working on my shit. They'd be working on their shit. I'd hear some, like hear some of them. Then we kind of like exchange notes a little bit. And, um, we just got real close, man. We just like, I was very much into the sound that they were doing. I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet, but I was hear their shit. And I would be like, damn, man, I really want to be fucking like doing what they're doing. You know, I love the sound. Yeah. The sound that they're on is like, I, I, I feel that shit so much, you know? Um, so I, I was just doing my thing and I, I ended up getting shelved at the label. Like the Mayday album came out. My, um, my management at the time stepped away because they're frustrated with the way that we like the label was handling the project and they kind of like left me there. And, um, I was just dealing with the label on my own to a degree. And, um, it came time mm-hmm. where Mayday had already put their album out. I was just doing mixtapes to pass the time. And they wanted to expand the group. They had already kind of added a couple instrumentalists and shit. And they were like, yo, you know, we want to okay. we wanna add another MC. And by the time they even had that thought, I was so, like, down with them already. I was so, like, ingrained in what was going on with them that it was like, yeah, it was, it was a given. It was a no-brainer. They are just like, bro, do you want to you wanna rock with us? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go, you know, let's go. <laughs> and then, yeah, we jumped in. We we There's a video on YouTube that, like, very few people have seen, but it's a, a promo that we shot. That was like basically saying, yo, like shit's about to get crazy. We're about to fucking kill shit, you know? And that was me joining the group. Um, and then we also had, had, had added uh, LT who was doing drums. And I think Noms ended up coming just shortly after that. So it was like almost the six, the, the six man group that most people know uh, from back then. It was that had just yeah. been kind of formed. So yeah. we did this like promo video, like, yo, this is us. We here, we about to kill shit. It was like a bunch of bodies laying in the studio. And then you get to the mixing board and this fucking <laughs> guy, a guy with a gas mask comes out of nowhere and grabs the camera and like snuffs it out and shit. And uh, yeah, that was, and, uh, and that was it. And we we started going and we started doing, um, we did a couple EPs. We did uh, Stuck on an Island, the full length album. And then by that time we had made enough moves um to connect some dots with between our management and strange music so that's how we kind of got fed up to it. so we basically went two years hard as fuck uh doing everything we could do uh to get out there and get the music out there yeah. and then that's what ended up uh, leading us to strange dope though and that included performing locally i remember uh revolution it had to be right around this i want to say late well, 2008 2009 uh, cause I know that the buzz was that you guys were doing work with little Wayne. So I'm going to say it was maybe from 2000, between 2009, 2012, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah, say I think it was around 10 um, that we did the Wayne stuff. Okay. So that was like the buzz that was going on. Um, I hadn't heard of Mayday at that point, but there was somebody else performing at revolution. You guys were opening up and I went there that night and it's funny because, um, this this is all happening. Um, shouts to Broke. Shouts yeah. to the homie Broke. He's the one that made this connect. He made this happen, and I appreciate him for it. Shouts to you, Broke. And um, I, I I I was running around in Hollywood for a minute too, and it's possible that I might have seen you at one point. But fast forward to you guys at Revolution. Um, first time I'm I'm seeing Mayday, and I'm getting what the Mayday experiences, and I, and for some reason I was like, yo, you come on and you start performing. I was like. Why do I feel like I know that person, but not know him? But there's like, you know, it's one of those like um, it's it's like a recurrence from something that you're not 
it's kind of like like you you I've dreamt of this yeah, situation like a, before, like a weird day. Like I've been on kind of like a I've been on the bus. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, yo. And even after that, I was like, I had no idea that eventually, I don't know how the connection happened, and there were and or maybe Broke might have told me, oh yeah, you know, recognize he's down with me. I was like, ah, that's why I was like, yo, that dude I, I seems give, familiar. I gotta give a you lot of props to, to Broke, man, because Broke's like he we kind of like after we we lost touch for a little while and and when i started really like going and doing my thing or whatever but there was a long period of time when i was like coming up in those early hollywood like days when i would just go kick it with him because he 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 would show me dj and shit he would have all the instrumentals he was super well versed and knowledgeable about the hip-hop at the time the underground scene so i learned a lot from him and and we kicked it a lot and we had a got a lot of good time i was just there fucking knucklehead little snot nosed kid just like you know he, he ain't that much older than me but he was a enough older he had enough like you know older years on top of me to basically like school me to shit and he was always really fucking cool about it and i loved kicking it with him man we had a lot of fucking fun back then man dope dope so now it's strange music and uh you guys are pretty much all over the place doing work with everybody you can think of um and uh what's what's next what's next what happens um, now well we're about to do our um our eighth album with uh our eighth album in general um you know one of those albums was before i got in the group so you know for me it's the seventh album but uh but yeah it's about to be made his eighth album it's the sixth album on strange and um yeah we're just we're just recording right now we actually just re-signed our contract to strange uh last year last year was the end of our contract and we just re-signed for another few albums so um yeah it's been cool man it's just right now we're kind of on an autopilot mode and we're trying to figure out where exactly we want to go next we have uh last year we like flipped it up and did a hybrid like reggae rap album which was like super well received and we got yeah yeah that the south yeah, of fifth? So that was south the fifth we got number one uh fucking billboard for the reggae charts on that one like we switched and i kind of had a eureka of like yo what if we because we we figured we we had done a tour with dirty heads um we've done a tour with common kings and the, the crowds received us well and we weren't like as pop reggae as they were but we weren't like we we were we hadn't even done any reggae style so we were doing like our hardcore hip-hop shit and the fan like the fans of theirs were kind of vibing with us because our show's high energy so we were like all right cool and we liked what we were seeing from those crowds um we kind of worked the hip-hop circuit so much that we were like a little bit tired of that like of not breaking free of where we were at so we were like yo let's try something different and uh burns burns like had the idea let's try this like let's do a project that's kind of catered to that sound still doing us and i was a little apprehensive at first you know um i was like i was like thinking of the most like stereotypical thing you could think of if you thought like your rap your favorite rap group's gonna do a fucking reggae album you know um yeah a, a badass yeah, Jamaican accent. Yeah, like, like I was thinking, I, I immediately thought the worst, you know. And then when we started making the music, I was like, oh, this isn't really what I thought it might have been. It could have been. It's like a, it's a Mayday album with just like a, a set of guidelines on the music, and and the music is a little bit more like obviously catered to the sounds of reggae, but it's still got like hard drums and eight oh eight fucking bass and uh, and we're rapping our asses off on that shit uh and it's still it's still a mayday album but it ended up becoming like one of our favorite projects that we've done it's just like every every track on there goes and it's enjoyable to listen to and what i liked about it is also like our hard most hardcore rap fans could like enjoy it and then also like it's my dad's favorite album you know what i'm saying so it's like folks that aren't like up on super rap shit are able to ingest it as well so um we did really well with that album so it was weird because it was the last album on our contract with Strange. And 
now that we've re-upped, it's like we've been in this weird space of like, what do we do now? You know, we've done, we did a collab album with MERS. We did a few like different albums and different sounds on Strange. Then we did this reggae shit out of nowhere. Like, where do we go from here? You know, so we kind of, uh we we started like work on another like bunch of batch of reggae stuff right after south of fit that we've kind of been sitting on and then we've also started a, another project on the side of that as well so we're kind of like just recording now and trying to figure out what direction we really want to go whether we want to like re-up and do another reggae project or uh if we're gonna like you know change up the vibe a little bit got you got you Mer- you mentioned Mer's Day. um there's, I mean, I'm, I'm an older cat. I'm, I'm way, I'm years beyond, you know, uh, break dancing or b-boying. Like those days are done for me. Uh, but that beast out the box, like <laughs> if, if I'm standing there and that comes on, it's, you know, you kind of get that. I can easily become delusional to the fact that I'm like, yeah, yeah I can get on the that floor makes, I, I've never been good <laughs> at b-boying, but that shit makes me feel like I could b-boy for real. Like that, yeah. That shit gets me hyped. And, uh, you know, our, our percussionist, and now he, he does production as well, Anonymous, um, he's he's a super dope popper and b-boy. And so and we've always been kind of connected to that universe through the jams. And then, you know, Rudy Goblin in the Literats was, uh, was, is, is a fucking amazing b-boy and also was, like, heavy in the scene in battles back then. And um, so we've always been connected to the b-boy scene, as you should be in hip-hop anyways. But... Um, when that yeah the beat yeah. came up while we were working on Merz Day and Merz is like all about it too so we, we put our heads together and it, the track came yeah. out fucking as better a million times better than I would have even imagined and then I was like uh, very glad that um, in retrospect that we ended up shooting the video at Catalyst uh, which is like a major you know a major stop and this is before um, uh, before the passing of uh, Joel you know Joel had passed a few years after so joel was the one who like approved us going there shooting it making sure it was all cool he was our like connect and our plug for that you know so now um unfortunately that he's passed away i have that that track that's that video as like a memory you know what i'm saying that's a kind of like loki my last memory with joel because i really that was the last time that we linked up if i'm not mistaken i don't think i saw him again after that Wild, wild. My people, um, you got a good dose of recognize there. We we talked, we got to know recognize, we we heard some of the musical journey, and there's still a lot more. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the latest project, but there's a whole segment left for that, and it's called the beat segment. But before we get there, we have to cross, we have to cross yeah. the bruise portion. So Rec, if you're down, <laughs> we're gonna get this on and popping. Um, it's bruise beast and eat still, old head at recognized. In his house, but kind of in the technological <laughs> building. Yeah. Of, of this recording. So y'all stay tuned, Bruce Beats and Eats. Too much to drink. We shine without flossing that bling bling at the pub with the buds. Picture of Yangling. Bruce Beats and Eats, the podcast. We have reached the Bruce portion. To all the people that are tuning in for the first time to listen to Rex interview on this, um, I welcome you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, here's a little background on how this goes. Um, typically, on the non-quarantine edition of the podcast, I'm sitting across my guest, and I would set up a flight of four beers, uh, just four ounces of each, and um, they taste them. They give me their thoughts, and then I'll hit them with a little stats, some stats, some notes about each beer. While we do that, we discuss what I like to call EBMs, which are early beer memories. It's a hashtag that I'm trying to get going, but it's not, not it hasn't yet, taken off yet, yet, but that's all right. You know, not yet, but yeah, early beer memories. Um, and then we'll talk about what they're drinking nowadays and, and just, just, you know, anecdotes, drinking anecdotes. So 
without a further ado, let's get into this. The first beer I'm going to have Rec try is Tropic Pressure. It is from Big Storm Brewing Company. It is a uh, an American blonde ale. Clocks in at 4.4 ABV. And it's brewed here in Florida. So, Rec, give that one a try. Let me know what you think. Cinnamon Tropical. That's what it says on the can. Let me crack this, my vice. All oh. right, let's see. Oh, I already, I already just like the little taste off the top is very uh, citrusy. It's like uh, fruity. Okay. And shouts to, shouts to Rec on the yeah. ASMR. Yeah, he got the yeah, sound in there. So. Okay. All right. Tropic pressure. That's good. Yeah, that's like um, it's got like some power okay. to it, but it's also um, it's also like you could drink it in the sun for real. You know what I mean? Like when a beer is too strong sometimes, I'm like, I couldn't really be drinking this on a hot ass day. But this one, this one feels like you could drink it in the sun. Dope, dope. Tropic pressure. Um, before we get into your early beer memory, right now, the people can go out right now. I mean, well, not right now. I mean, unless they pause the podcast, come back, <laughs> but then, you know, you mess up the whole continuity of it. Let's just keep the flow going. But after you're done with this podcast, they can go out and check out Pressure Point, Meridian One, the EP. Talk to us yeah, about um, what yeah, you put it's together basically there. basically the lead up for my new album. It's going to be my third album on Strange. It's my fourth album overall. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, I have kind of a trilogy going on. It's it's going to be the last chapter of a trilogy I got going on Strange, which uh, it started with an album called The War Within, um, which is like me being put under like for psychotherapy and being like evaluated by a you know a, a, by a, doc, a psychotherapist or whatever. And um, yeah, exactly, Doctor Psychosis. And um, and then into the further is like that return, going back in going to go back in, go under, go deeper. And, um, you know, it's like another session with him. And then uh, for the last one, because I like to do in threes, um, the last one basically is going to be him uh, prescribing me to go to this place where I have to like, basically, it's like a recovery spot. Uh, and it's called Pressure Point. So with that, with that being the idea is that I wanted to do a more yeah. aggressive album than my last couple. Um, I just really wanted to like vent a bit and like, and get some of the stress that I've like experienced these last couple of years and just like blast that out onto the music. Uh, so pressure point, that concept of like, you have to apply pressure to relieve pressure is kind of where I'm going with this in terms of like, all right, this album, I'm gonna go hard so that I can kind of clear my head and go forward, you know? So, uh, they strange does, uh, a current, their release schedule currently is they split the album up into EPs. Uh, they do three EPs before the album drops. So Meridian one is my first EP from the upcoming album. Uh, definitely. Uh, I enjoyed it. Low waters, my shit off of it. Um, if, you know, if I were, if I were going to do the uh, favorite thing, I guess we could do that with music. As long as <laughs> hey, you don't man, do it with your kids, I got twins. Sometimes you know, one's more favorite than the other. Fuck it. That's just the way it is, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, I know you're not supposed to pick one, but yo, if you'll be acting like a shithead, man. You just gotta, you gotta like the other one more for a second, you know? Sorry, man. Fuck it. I'm gonna tell him, I'm gonna tell him the real. I'm gonna tell him the real. I'm like, one of y'all used to be an asshole. There you go. <laughs> I used to be a terror when I was a kid too. I had like hearing problems. Um, I had like, for there was a period of time when I was a toddler that I was like 80 to 90% deaf. I had like a blockage in my ears. And, uh, and they said, because of that, I had rage. I had crazy rage, you know? So I would go and like, I go and punch kids on the fucking mm-hmm. playground, which is hilarious. Cause as an adult, I'm like super passive. I would never punch anybody, you know? But, uh, but it, yeah, as I was a kid, I was going right yeah. around pushing people, bullying people or whatever. And I was like a terror, you know? And my mom said like, nah, there was, there was moments. She was always real. She was like, yeah, there's moments where I wanted to like throw you across the room and shit. And I was like, well, I appreciate you being honest. <laughs> Cause I don't remember that shit. So it's whatever. Real. And that, 
brings us to our memory. <laughs> not the memory I was that, looking for, but at least yeah, that's now a, we can talk uh, about your uh, earliest uh, beer memory. Old baby memory. And then we can go to old beer memory now. Yeah, old baby yeah, memory. Yeah. That definitely nah, nah, not nah, going to take a, off. I don't one. see that. Uh, my, old, my old beer memory. I don't know if this counts <laughs> because when I think of like classic like old beer back in the day like shit it's really a malt liquor that i think of you know what i'm saying i don't know if that would qualify but um we in how hell yeah man you know how many people i've, th- I've okay. talked to that came up in the same era as us and they're like like i don't know if i'm supposed to say you know uh oe or uh or blue bull okay. or okay so that was before we were oh, shit i wasn't even 18 uh, we were maybe about 14, 15. Um, there used to be a little uh, corner store on 59th Street in Hollywood. And the dude was super cool. Uh, you know, like a fucking, like, I don't, I don't know if he's, I think he's from Pakistan. I, I'm not 100% sure where he's from. But he, he was a cool ass dude, but he was, he was on the, on the slide. He would sell us shit, you know, underage and shit. So he would just always be hella like nervous about us coming in. But we had our money real quick. He was like, yo, let's do it. I'm like, all right. Um, so we went in and we started kind of trying to explore what we could get. And at the time, the hot shit that the homies wanted to get was the mm. St. Ives, uh, special brew, the fruity shit, you know? <laughs> so we, we, the main one that I remember like being like, oh yeah, I fuck with that one was, uh, was Kiwi strawberry. And then there was a passion one, uh, that I know we fuck with a couple of times too. I, there was another mm. one that was red that I don't, I didn't really ever fuck with that one, but the Kiwi, that was the joint we get, we go in there, we buy like as like two, three bottles of that. And then we drink that shit and whatever, get some girls to come over or whatever. Like, you know, that was the shit. We were like little hood rats, like drinking St. Ives and shit, you know? We still like now in retrospect, like I'm, I'm going to be interested now that I'm a father. Like when my kids get to that age, am I going to be like, damn, I can't believe we were drinking St. Ives and like, you know, fucking trying to finger fuck girls and shit at this age. Like they seem like infants now. It's still, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> it's so true. You're going to look at them when they get to that age and you're going to be like, all yeah, right, how much of that sure. are they trying also to pull off Talk about it. Like my, my, my mom, I, my, you know, my dad didn't live in the house and my mom and, um, my mom was like real, like very liberal British, you know what I'm saying? Very like, let us do our own thing to a degree. And she would look the other way sometimes and let us get away with like murder to a degree. We, as long as we were respectful of her, which we always were. Um, so we got away with a lot of stuff. Now me and my wife are like, and also my mom wasn't like savvy to like the way of the street, you know what I'm saying? And I don't mean that like we were like street kids. I just mean like whatever was going on at that time, the hustles, my mom wasn't really clued into that. Whereas mm. now um, me and my mm. wife, we're pretty fucking savvy with a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we're up to the challenge in our head. We're like, well, you know, I know it's going to be a decade before we have to have any of these convos, but in a decade, like, will we lose our touch? You know, are we still going to be the, the tech savvy got a fucking like, got your phone low jacked, you know, for camera in the front of the yeah. crib, like all the technology that's come up now. It's so easy to monitor the yeah. kids, you know? Yeah, no, no doubt. I know exactly what you mean that there's going to come a point where, there's going to be that disconnect and they're going to continue to evolve when it comes to what they're capable of doing or what they're capable of learning. And which is not going to be so prevalent with the parents. I'm up, to that. There, I know. I'm up to that challenge. I, I, I it's going to be my late, late, like my late work in life to like defeat that challenge. You know, <laughs> like I'm like, I will, I refuse to disconnect. Fuck that. You know, like I want to, my pops was always really savvy with shit. Um, it's only now, I mean, he had me real young too, so I I, I might be a, a time might be against me, you know. But it's only now, like he's in his mid sixties, and I'm thirty. I just turned thirty seven. Um, that like I notice a little bit of like a a slowdown in my pops, you know. Whereas like, 
uh, all those years leading up when I was a teenager, he was going, you know, he was killing shit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have my kids guess. way older than he did, like a decade. So it might hit me 10 years earlier, but I'm, I'm just trying to be ready for it. I'm trying not to get caught up by it, you know. Yo, for sure, for sure. So let's get into this next beer. The next one I got for you is Sunshine Greetings from the Central 28 Beer Company. It is a wheat beer, an American pale wheat, clocks in at a 4.7 AVV. So we're coming up a tick from the previous one, the Big Storm. Give that a shot. And let me know what you think. Okay. First and foremost, I love the can. Very Florida. Yes. Very, you know, very like unassuming. What I will say about wheat beer is I used to love wheat beer. I used to super be a wheat beer fan. I always go for the, you know, the whatever I could get that was wheat, I was into it. Um, and then like in the last couple of years, I kind of fell off of wheat, man. I started kind of avoiding the wheat beer. It's exactly. um, I found it to like sit kind of heavy and like um, sometimes it give me like a headache and shit. I don't know if it's all placebo or whatever, but mm. I haven't been drinking a lot of wheat beers, you know. Okay. Uh, let me see. Okay, let me see what uh, Sunshine Greetings is talking about. There you go. Yeah, it's got that Florida feel. It's got that postcard feel on the on the logo for those who uh who are trying to imagine what what Rick is describing. Yeah, can uh, can art is so important, man. So under you know, like I mean, I don't know if it's underrated, but it's it's just so like it's so clutch, you know, to yeah. selling beer. I'm sure. Yes. Um, this is good though. This is a. Uh, it's not. Um, if if you wouldn't have told me it was a wheat beer, like I wouldn't have jumped right to that conclusion. You know, it kind of like doesn't taste as. I don't know. It doesn't. It isn't a dead giveaway on a wheat a wheat beer on first sip. Okay. Yeah, I like it though. Um, that one's not too bad. I I, I like. Uh, I think I like. I think I like the first one better still, but um, okay. this one th- this one surprisingly doesn't taste stronger though. Got you. Yeah, it's it's, it's not by much. The gravity is only like I think point three more than the last one. So oh, okay, I don't know. I don't know if it's noticeable because we haven't even crossed into the next whole digit. But um, but yeah, man. I mean, I I, I remember I used to drink wheat beers. Um, like you said, besides the usual suspects, there was a time, I know I've said ciders before when I started getting into the craft beer thing, but there was a point in time where I, I'd say 2003, 2004, where somebody had put me on to like a cherry wheat. It might've been a Sam Adams cherry wheat. And I would think that was my first wheat experience and I liked it. Yeah. I mean, um, I definitely fuck with cider still because I'm British. It's like, it's, in our, it's in our blood. It's in our DNA to fuck with cider, okay. you know? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I love I love ciders, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Though this one actually is not bad. I, I fuck with this one though. I would drink this oh, again. Dope, dope. Speaking of drinking, what's something that you drink nowadays? <clears throat> um, you mean alcoholically? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a big tequila fan. Um, okay. Yeah, tequila and mezcal a lot. Um, I kind of cooled down on the mezcal. We were going super hard on the mezcal the last couple of years, um, which I like the mezcal. It was like te- it was like tequila. Obviously, it's very similar, but uh, it's got that real smoky aftertaste, and it just gives you like a very different kind of buzz, you know. Um, but for years, I was a whiskey drinker. Mm. Very super into whiskey. Um, we were big Jack Daniels fans, you know, since my first national tour in 06, I got on to, got put onto a whiskey by, um, Dizzy from Ugly Duckling. He, he just, he used to like, he was a pretty big dude and he would basically empty out a, a whole bottle of Jack Daniels to the half mark. And then he would pour, you know, that half would be, he'd pour that out for the rest of the tour. And then he'd fill up the rest of the half that was left with Coke. 
and shake it up and take it on stage and kill the whole thing. Disney Dustin, for yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, Disney, yeah, so Dizzy, Dizzy Dustin, yeah, Dizzy Dustin. Um, oh, that is so wild. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and that's how he got he he got me into Jack Daniels for real, like because I wasn't really I was kind of drinking here and there, but I wasn't really into any one thing. And he got me super into Jack on that tour. And we came off, I was like, yo, I'm a Jack Daniels fucking lifer. You know, I love this shit. It's just the best. And I drank Jack Daniels fucking hardcore for like the next decade for real. Um, wow. Yeah, basically. And then I'd say maybe, yeah, around like, I don't know. So yeah, about 10 years later, we started, uh, whiskey started to disagree with me a little bit. And also, like, I'm super passive, like I said, but whiskey was getting me angry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the closest I could get to angry, a whiskey was putting me there. Um, wow. And whiskey got so much fucking sugar in it, too, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, I was, you know, I was gaining weight and I was just getting. I was just having some bad nights off that shit. Uh, so then we found somehow we switched to, uh, I was already kind of drinking a little bit of tequila, but we kind of switched into tequila. And then I've really enjoyed tequila since then. I like it. It just like mm-hmm. goes down smooth. You don't have to really mix it with nothing. And um, yeah. it just always makes me feel more like energetic and more like bubbly than like angry, you know? Got you. Got you. That, that's wild. Um, did you, have you ever tried um, with Jack Daniels Mountain Dew? Um, I can't say I ever have tried that. Is okay, that see, I'm not a big fan of it. I like whiskey. I was taught that you don't mix anything with whiskey, so right. I've always kind of followed that path. But I had a, a good friend of mine. Um, shouts to you, Craig. He uh, we went through the uh, we went through the school program program together, and um, every time we get together, the crew of guys we're going through the program. Um, he'd always talk, oh, the jackadoos, the jackadoos, and we're like, yeah, what the hell's a jackadoo? And he, he pulled up one time and he had a bottle of Jack Daniels and a two liter of Mountain Dew. And that was his drink of choice. Jackadoos. Damn. Well, I mean, I, I used to drink uh, Jack and Ginger like religiously. So, I, I mean, it's not too far off. I could I could see where the Mountain Dew might make might work. Yeah. And when I first started drinking liquor for real, we were drinking a lot of Bacardi. And we, I used to mix Bacardi and Mountain Dew. Because uh, I, I fucking love Mountain Dew. I don't. I, I haven't drank soda like like this whole year. I like I swore off soda this year, but um, I'm trying, man. It's just fucking so addictive, but so good, you know. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, but in the beginning, you know, when you start drinking, you got to mix it. You don't. You're not really like unless you're really hard, super hardcore, taking fucking shots of like whatever. When you just start, yeah. drinking, you, know, you need a you need a mixer. But um, but but back then I was I was fucking with Mountain Dew for mixing with rum, and and that shit was really good. I liked it. I, like in my head, in my memory now, I would like oh, I could still go for like a Bacardi and Mountain Dew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but now, uh, totally soda. It's kind of like you know, it's citrus- alcohol. Yeah, and it's like it's citrusy. Like Mountain Dew has kind of got that citrus flavor. So I mean, motherfuckers mix uh, alcohol with orange juice all the time, you know. So it's like yeah. it's not. So I mean, uh, I think Mountain Dew actually has low key orange juice in it, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like I I've read that off the ingredients before. So so it's not totally a stretch, but it it does seem weird because it's not like a accepted. A socially accepted like drink you don't like right. you never hear anyone at the bar being like yeah let me get a jackadoo or whatever yeah or at brunch be like yeah she's gonna have a mimosa i'm gonna have a jackadoo because there's citrus in the, in the mountain Dew. yeah straight up no nah, you don't hear that often but i could see that being 
decent though. But yeah, now nowadays when I drink, I try not to mix it with anything just because you know we get older and the shit hits you different and all the sugar yeah. and whatever. I hate to sound like right. an old man, but it's just that like the shit hits you different. So I try to avoid the the mixes and just go. I just drink it straight up. Or if I'm drinking tequila, I'll drink a like a shot. I'll do shots and a beer. You know, that's like a good combo. Got you, Rick. Listen, um, when it comes to becoming an old man, there's plenty of room. Um, I don't have to be the old head. The only old head. There's there's room for all of us. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Appreciate that. Hey man, I like getting older though. We have this conversation yeah. sometimes at the studio, and it's like uh, we or or when we go on the road, we'll see like some kids at the show, or we'll like see school kids on the street or whatever. And I often be telling Burns and the guys, I'll be like, man, you know, it's funny is like I hear a lot of people that do wish they could go back and do their childhood over, but to me, like I, I'm good. I I don't ever really want to be young again. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I like all the knowledge and all the like command of my craft i've like accrued over the years so the idea of going back to when i was like confused and didn't know what the fuck i was doing and didn't feel comfortable in my own skin is not appealing to me you know gotcha yeah no understood understood for real i guess i like really i know it's gonna be the worst whatever it's when your body starts to fail you and all that bullshit but um yeah i don't know currently right now like midlife i'm like i'm cool i'm good with it it's i'm trying to be the best me and keep it moving you know i hear you no i as far as the body and and the feeling the effects i realized that we we go from from growing pains and then we enter the stage of growing old pains Mm. Facts. That that's the, that's the next wave. So um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It, it you know day to day is is, di- is kind of dictated by what you're feeling that morning. Like what hurts when you wake up. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Yeah, man. And then it's also like um you get into your own little like habits and shit. And like I was in really bad like shape the last couple of years. I like gained the most weight I've gained my whole life. And um I was just drink drinking and eating whatever the fuck I wanted at whatever time. Mm. Um, it was affecting me, you know, and then I had like some, I went through a couple of like stressful situations in last year's touring. Cause we did 125 shows last year. Um, wow. yeah, we did a lot of touring last year and you know, I still, I still have fucking one-year-olds at home at the time. And, um, mm. we had, you know, we just had some drama in and around what we were doing and, um, it just fucked me up so much anxiety wise that, um, it was affecting like my health. You know, I felt like I was sick and I really wasn't sick. It was really just anxiety fucking with me but uh it, it it like triggered me to go like all right man you know what i gotta like i gotta stop man bro 40 is right around the corner for me and i need to like come into that motherfucker shining you know i don't want to i don't want to f- crash across that finish line you know no no applause applause definitely to that definitely to that it's hard hitting up that many yeah i know but hitting up that many spots throughout the country you guys hit the road which brings us to our third beer mm. this is the road per- session ip what a segue Oh, I'm working on them, Rack. I'm trying to do my <laughs> what a segue. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yo, as unprofessional as I like to keep this podcast, sometimes professionalism rears its head yeah. and be like, nah. Happy accidents. Do it this Happy way. accidents happen all the time, man. There you go, Bob Ross, for real. Okay. So Roadhead Session IPA from Hollywood Brewing Company. It's an IPA, clocks in at a 6.3. So we're definitely going up several notches. First of all, Hollywood, Hollywood, all right. Um, you know, motherfuckers that I grew up with in Hollywood like often give me shit because they don't feel I rep Hollywood enough, uh, which is fu- partially true. But um, because I I did like come up and like I came up out of the scene in Miami, really, you know, so I repped Miami more. But um, but I do have a lot of love for Hollywood. I did like spend a shitload of time there growing up, and um, and like Hollywood, I always have like a special place in my heart. I want to do a record 
basically dedicated to Hollywood at some point or another. And it's been in my plans for a minute. But yes, I just had to give props yeah. to Hollywood real quick. And no, it's a Roadhead because I'm a fan of Roadhead. Roadhead's cool too. All right. So <laughs> go ahead and sample that one. We'll get your thoughts. And then I'm going to work on another segue while you do that. <laughs> All right. Here's to Roadhead. Cheers. Oh, yeah. God damn. All right. Yeah, that's going. That's going. That's going up a notch for sure. You could taste. You could taste the snap right. and that shit. Um, that's good. From the rip. I do. I do love. Um, like I said, I eased back on beer for a while. Uh, because yeah. of you know whatever I'm trying to get my trying to get right. And um, but pre me like reducing the amount of my intake. Um, I was into this kind of shit. IPAs, hoppier than a motherfucker. Like the stronger, the better. Um, I like hoppy beer, man. That shit is really good. That's definitely that's kind of really up my alley. If it's not like a like an amber or a blonde or you know something that I could kind of drink in the sun type shit, it's one of these for sure. Dope, dope. Um, one of the things that we touched on earlier, well, I mentioned earlier, but we didn't get a chance to touch on, and we're gonna take the opportunity now is that now you are a fellow podcaster. Yeah, you, you've been you've been doing it. I, I I enjoy the show. I'm an avid listener. Dope podcast. GTFOH. How did how did you decide to get into that? Oh well, okay. Before we get into that, the reason I I mentioned it at this point is because you have one of the segments. It's called "Give Me Some Head." Yes, give me some headlines. And this is Roadhead. All ties yes. in. So before segue number two, I like it. Definitely, I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to trying to improve the strategies here, but uh, definitely, how did you decide to get into pod? Why did you decide to get into podcast? Uh, well, I I I been t- I've been thinking about it for like I want to say a year year or two um last couple of years, but I just didn't want to like jump into it until I was for sure like knowing that I could like continue it because I I one of my biggest pet peeves, especially about hip hop artists, is that they often like um commit to doing something and then they don't follow through. I fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. Um. It really bothers me. And and for me personally, like if I say I'm going to do some shit, if I don't do it, I feel like a, I'm, I'm like shame. You know, I'm like a Japanese kid with that shit. Like I'm like I bow my head in shame. Like I've disappointed my whole family type shit. Who's uh, the pinky type thing? Like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna chop my exactly. Off. Exactly. So um, I, I had been um, my homie DJ EFN, you know, Miami's mixtape king. Uh, he's one half of Drink Champs. He's uh, on a very popular podcast yeah. called Drink Champs, for those who don't know. And uh, they he's he's been a friend of mine. He co-managed Mayday for years. He gave me my first mixtape appearance. He's been like a, a mentor and a friend of mine for like over a decade, you know. And um, oh. they got the Drink Champs shit popping. And when, when he was doing it, he was kind of like it was it wasn't early in the podcast game, but it was definitely still on the rise before it had the meteoric like, you know, Spotify got injected, all that shit. So when he started yeah. it, he was he was booting up shows left and right. And we talked about it. And he was like, yeah, man, you should you should do a podcast, man. I feel like you'd be really good at it. And I was like, man, I, I, I feel like I could maybe pull it off, too. But um, at the time, <clears throat> I just really couldn't. I couldn't work out in my head how to work that into the schedule of shit I was doing at the time, you know? And I also, I also didn't really have a, 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 a like concept. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had a few ideas before GTFOH, but um, they involved other people. So and yeah. at that time, stringing together other people was like a little bit more labor intensive than I wanted to like commit, you know? Uh, so mm-hmm. what ended up happening was, um, it was kind of coming towards the end of uh, last year. And I was like, oh, I know that I want to do less touring next year uh, because we did so much and I was in bad shape. I was like, you know, I need to take a break from the road. I want to be I don't want to be away from my kids. Uh, so what am I going to do to like 
supplement what I'm doing on the road. And also last year I did uh, freestyles every week as a promo thing. So I did uh, 52 freestyles every Wednesday for the whole the whole yeah. year. So then I also think in my mind, I was also trying to fill that gap with like, damn, what do I do to like, cause now I feel going from that doing a freestyle a week to doing like, you know, not nothing, but like nothing like that scheduled weekly. I felt like of, there was a void there, you know? So I was like, I started to think, okay, well, maybe I'll start the podcast game and fuck around with that. And um, I had a running segment on my Instagram that was just started from me one day talking shit about some ridiculous nonsense. Somebody did something stupid and I got on there and I was like, dude, I was, get the fuck out of here, you know? And whatever, I'm not saying I invented that phrase or anything, but I just said it and then I used that clip to like continually like criticize dumb shit that was going on. And it started to get like a real rise with people on my Instagram started to get traction and people were quoting it back to me and they made gifs of the fucking video. And it started to kind of, you know, I I saw people reacting to it a lot. So I was like, damn, okay. And then I thought, damn, you know, it's not the most original thing. It's not the most original title. And it's not like it doesn't roll off the tongue at all. But um, I was like, you know what? I think it's a cool way for me to like enter the space. And it's something that I think in my head, I can wrap my mind around how to present it as a show, you know? And, um, so yeah, I started it. And then, uh, it took me a little while to get it rolling. Like the first like three to five episodes, I'd say were a little like I trying things out and getting my fucking technical shit together and just like figuring out what I was going to do. But I, I feel like now I have a pretty decent rhythm with it and I have fun with it. The last, when I hit maybe like the I say like ninth or tenth episode, um, maybe maybe a little bit earlier than that. Maybe the eighth episode is when I started to feel like, oh shit, the these the time is flying by. Because in the beginning, like an hour, feeling an hour talking by yourself is fucking rough. You know, like it doesn't seem like that long at first, but when you get on there and it's just you, because a lot of podcasts are multiple people or interviews, like we're doing now. So it's like cool, you could talk to each other. That time goes relatively quickly, but. Talking to yourself in a room when I knew I was going to commit to doing it by myself, I was like, how the fuck am I going to fill this time? This is just crazy. You know, this is going to be a 30 minute podcast, you know? Um, and in the <laughs> beginning, it was. It felt very like tough for me to fill a uh, 45 to an hour. Now, when I do it, I like, I'm like, damn, holy shit, I'm, I'm at an hour and 10 already. I got to shut the fuck up, you know? Like, I, I'm, I, I got a rhythm going and I'm, I'm enjoying doing it. Dope, dope. I'm enjoying listening to it. I'm going to implore. Implore all my listeners to get over there, check out an episode. Let me know what y'all think. Definitely, I like the segments, uh, the headlines. That that lady trips me out every time I hear. <laughs> the fuck are you doing, man? She, <laughs> that what, I, what I that what's funny about that clip is that um in the in the video she, you don't actually see her because the camera pans off of her. So when she says what "the fuck are you doing," you can't even see her. So like I, it's really <laughs> left up to your imagination what she's actually like, what her face. I mean, you can kind of imagine it by her tone of voice and what she's saying but like in that video you don't see it you don't see her again until she starts the apology you know so it's just yeah this is a classic clip that i came across that i was like oh this is perfect and the crazy thing is that when she offers the apology it's like she still quite doesn't shoulder the blame she's kind of like we yeah whatever we whatever here. they did to get her to say what the fuck are you doing it was justifiably like she was like oh i'm I'm still right though like i i, I shouldn't have said fuck yeah. or whatever but like these are, these dudes are still they still ain't shit you know <laughs> dope, dope. another segment you have on there is get on the floor yeah, yeah. that's my favorite where my favorite kinda, one of course yeah where you kind of regale us with stories of this beloved state and, and all the all the uh, craziness that is encapsulated between these two bodies of water. Yes. The wonderful. 
So with that, I, I bring to you the Florida oh, man, man beer. Um, when I was talking about breweries earlier, Cigar City is definitely one of my favorites too. Like I've, I, every time I try a Cigar City beer, I'm always like, oh, fuck with this. Like it's very rare that I try one of their beers that I don't like it. I can't remember ever trying this one though, which I feel like I would remember this name. It's a great name for a beer. Yes. So Florida man, you said it is from Cigar City Brewing. It's an American Imperial IPA. Clocks in at an 8.5 and it's brewed here in Florida, Tampa to be exact. Give that one a shot. Let me know what you think. Tampa's on the come up. And I didn't realize uh, that Tampa has so much mob, like mafia ties. Did you know that? Uh, No, that's new to to me. I a show in Tampa recently and I got schooled to that. Tampa has like a crazy New York mafia connection. Like a lot of mobsters like from New York came down to Tampa and like planted roots and did a lot of business there. And Tampa, yeah, Tampa has a little mob mob history, which I had no fucking idea. Um, yeah, crazy shit, crazy shit. But I like Tampa though. Tampa's Tampa's cool. All right, so Florida man, the double IPA. God damn, I can't say I ever drink double IPAs for real. That's always seems like it's excessive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Oh, God damn. Um, no, that's good though. It's good. It's got a little punch up front, but the aftertaste is better. It smooths out afterwards. Um. Okay, and I guess that might be the uh, that might be what they had in mind with hitting you real rough at the beginning, so that the back end doesn't seem as yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Florida man story already, like kind of like shocks you at first, and then and then after you're like, oh, it's just Florida man, it's, it's cool. So that happens in Florida all the time. All right, keep drinking. It's all good. <laughs> Excellent. Exactly, bro. That is that's a pretty damn good analogy, if I don't say so Ooh, myself. Stronger than a motherfucker, though, boy. Ooh, golly. Um, that is good. It's good. It tastes good. I definitely feel like a couple of these okay. though, and I'll be yeah, it'd be it'd be a problem. And that's all you would need is a couple. Definitely, of those. yeah, yeah. Especially now, man. I'm like, I'm a little bit more of a lightweight than I was, you know, a little while back. I had a high tolerance, and then you know what happened a couple of years ago? Um, my my wife got pregnant with the twins, and we went on. We found out that she was pregnant right before we went on like what was kind of like a, a vacation for us that year, and uh, we went to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and um. She hmm. found out she was pregnant right before we went to Hawaii. So it was like, fuck, man, we about to go. We were about to go party and drink and then all this shit. And then like, boom, she, you're pregnant. All right. So we, we're going to change the plans. We're still going to go, but we just obviously can't drink that much. Or well, you can't drink at all. But so in my, yeah, exactly. so in my mind, I was like, well, I'll just, you know, I'm going to drink here and there. I was like, it was the first time we ever got to fly first class. We got a good deal and shit. So we, we, we got good, good seats on the plane. And I was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to drink on the plane. You know, don't judge me. It's like, we got to, we're here, you know? So I drank on the plane. We got to Hawaii and I think I had a beer or two, but I didn't really drink a lot because she's my drinking partner. You know what I'm saying? And like, to me, I love drinking, but um, on that trip, there was no other homies around or anything. So it was like, if she wasn't drinking, I wasn't really motivated to drink. Right. So on the way back Gosh. from that flight, the reason why I'm telling you this is on the way back, I told her, look, I'm going to drink on the flight home. And then after that, I'm going to cut it off and I'm going to go, I'm going to go for the whole pregnancy with you on, you know, stand of solidarity, whatever, whatever. And so uh, I, I was like, I'm going to do it. So I started and then I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go nine months in like, you know, in, in for the symbol of your pregnancy and shit. And then, so I started doing it. And what the roughest part for me was being on the road because I love to drink on the road. Like drinking before a show is like clutch, you know, like the shows are so much more fun mm. when I can have a few drinks before. Mm. Um, so once I did a couple shows and realized I could maybe pull it off, I was like, OK, I started to gain my confidence up. And then I got to like eight months and I was like, damn, you know what's crazy, though? Um, 
nine months is so close to actually it was, it was going to be 10 months because 10 months is the whole pregnancy top to bottom. So I was like, 10 months is so close to a year. I was like, I should just do the whole fucking year, mm-hmm. you know, fuck it. Just so I could say yeah. I took a year off from drinking. So I did that year off and I, I was happy to do it. I felt good. You know, I, I was, you know, all that shit, whatever. But when I came back to drinking, though, is when I realized, well, holy shit, like just that year, that one year off took my tolerance down so much, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was, it was one of those things where the first couple of times I drank, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like this shit is fucking exhausting. You know, it was like, it hit me different. Yeah. Um, and then because I'm like a fan of the culture of drinking and just like in general, I just like, like when it comes to beers, like the, the fucking can art, like the way they name it, like the, there's all these little ink, like, incremental things that i love about the the culture right um so i got back into it slowly and my tolerance is not as low as it used to be but for a minute there though i was the illest lightweight at 35 years old (laughs) it was a virtual reset it was like you just started from scratch it it, it was scary because the first night i drank i had like a beer and i had a couple shots and the shit hit me so fast that I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta relax. I can't, I can't just jump back into the pool like in the deep end, you know. Yeah, yeah, you gotta test the water first, dip the toe and see what the temperature. Yeah, man, you gotta like respect first. alcohol, that's for sure. I've definitely disrespected it many times, and it's disrespected me back. But um, in its in its finest moments, when you can find that happy balance of like, you you treat it good, it treats you back just as good. It's a beautiful thing. No, oh, for sure, for sure. Speaking of beautiful things. All right, that was a poor segue. I was going to ask you to rank these beers, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to work out as well as the other ones. But at this point in time, I know we, we kind of got into it a little bit at the beginning with the, which one you preferred over the, the first one over the second one. If you can give me like a one through four real quick of the ones you've sampled. All right, so one's the best one? Yes, one's the best one, fourth being the worst or the, the least liked. Um, I'm going to go with, damn, the IPAs are going to win for me. So uh, even, even the strong-ass one. Okay. So I'm going to go... Damn, you know what though? Damn, I think I kind of like the double IPA better. Mm. After a couple okay. of sips of that shit, that shit's kind of hitting right though. I, um, really? oh man, yeah, I think I think um, I'm gonna go Florida Man, Roadhead, uh, basically the backwards order. <laughs> I'm gonna go Florida Man, Roadhead <laughs> Session, uh, Sunshine Greetings, and Tropic Pressure. And Tropic Pressure by no means was bad, but it was yeah, it was just like yeah. the the lightest touch, you know, and then as we pushed and went heavier, it makes it because I haven't drank an IPA in a while either, you know. So, uh, so it's a welcome, it's a welcome experience, a welcoming exactly. taste, and that's your your. It's like perked up like my it. taste buds now, where I'm like, oh, I remember IPAs. Like I really haven't drank one in a minute, so it's like it's it's kind of reminding me how much I love IPA. So nothing but firsts here at Bruce Beats yeah. and Easter Podcast. Yo, yo, right, man, you you did your thing. You sampled the four beers. You gave us your thoughts. You told us. You share some stories, drinking stories, uh, what you're drinking nowadays, what you drank back then. We pretty much checked all the boxes. Next step we get into, the next thing we get into is the beat portion. So y'all stick around. It's Bruce Beats and Easter Podcast. We'll be right back. Bruce Beats and Eats, and we have arrived at the beats portion. I still have Rec with me. We discussed a lot of music in the very beginning of the podcast. We're not stopping there. This time around, we're going to get into my guest's musical tastes. 
you know, what they listen to nowadays, um, what a playlist would seem like, what inspires them to continue to do what they do. Um, so, Rec, what, what's something that you we'd find on your playlist oh, nowadays? My playlists are all over the fucking place. Um, my my parents like listened to a lot of like classic rock when I was growing up. So Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, you know, Supertramp, fucking Steely Dan. Uh, they listened to a lot of reggae, a lot of Bob Marley, a lot of fucking Toots and the Maytals, UB40. Uh, so I listened to a lot like Sting, mm-hmm. The Police. Like I listened to a lot of the shit that they like listen to when i was growing up um then of course like i'm on my hip-hop shit which is like now when i was younger i was very uh i was very anti like the surface level shit um as as i got older that mm. that started to like fade for me i started just be like if i like the song i like the song i don't give a fuck if it's uh fucking immortal technique or if it's two chains like to me if the song is good the song is good i don't i don't really like i'm too old to now bitter about like to be to to bicker about like underground or commercial or whatever. I don't give a fuck. I really don't care. So yeah. to me, it's like, if the song's good, the song's good. I hear some underground songs that I think are whack. And I hear some commercial songs that I think are fucking great, you know, and vice versa. Um, so yeah, when it comes to hip hop shit, I'm like still on my classic Feral Monch, De La Soul, uh, Aesop Rock is a big one for me. Run the Jewels, LP shit. Um, I like, um, I like mm-hmm. Anderson Pack a lot. Uh, I like Boogie. Boogie is super mm-hmm. dope to me. Um, the, 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 the Kamikaze Eminem album, I really liked a lot. The new one was cool, but I like Kamikaze a little better. Uh, so I, I'm definitely on my hip hop shit. And then I like a lot of like, I don't know if it's just because I rap a lot and I'm just writing a lot, but I love a lot of like instrumental shit as well. So like, it's not quite EDM, okay. but it is kind of, it's like down tempo, lo-fi type shit. Um, you know, RJD2, yeah. I love a lot. Uh, there's this there's this Swedish dude named oh. Gala Matthias. I always never know how to pronounce his name, but uh, Gala Matthias is what I think it is. Um, he he does some really amazing shit, uh, super super dope. And then uh, I like James Blake. I like moody music too. It's really like one of my big favorites. Like I like I'll be in a good mood, but I'll be wanting to put on music that be making you want to fucking hurt yourself. <laughs> you know, like I like I like depressing music. You know, I, I often um, theorize that people like the kind of music that fills a void for them, you know? So people that might be um, like depressed sometimes want to listen to like the happiest Beatles song they could find, you know, for instance, or uh, if you're like happy all the time, you like, y'all are, you're in a good mood. You kind of sometimes want to hear like somebody be sad, look out the fucking rainy window. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just helps to like complete the spectrum. So sometimes I like James Blake is a big one for me. I love his shit. The production is really out there and kind of eccentric and, an individual and then he's got a killer voice he plays dope piano um his last couple of projects i think have been really good but yeah i'm a little i'm a real dope you you haven't heard james blake before no no no, i never have i gotta look into it Um, what's something you recommend so like if you want to start like in the hip-hop frame and kind of like go in a little bit like from there um he has a song called life around here he did a remix with chance the rapper that shit's very dope um then he has uh retrograde is a very popular song of his on his latest album he has a track with um travis scott and i forget the name of it right now but that that the beat is nasty and he goes in he's like um he's just like a british piano like songwriter that is just like very dope but some people can't get with his music because it's very like depressing is the word I, I, is the only word I can think of right now you know the, the music's very moody and it's very um, yeah it's just moody and sad for it's like a heavy it's heavier it's yeah, a little it's, it's, it's all heavy none of his shit is light 
it's all pretty dark and moody and heavy, mm-hmm. you know. So like I, I just like that shit. It, it fills a void for me because I don't really be on those vibes my for myself, like in my life. So I like to listen to shit like that, you know. <laughs> and then yeah, um, it's kind of like all over the place, man. I do um I do like a a Friday night music stream that it, initially it was just a. Uh, all new music but then i kind of got sick of do, like being handcuffed to new music so now like every friday I, I play like an hour or two of music for these folks that um that come and subscribe to my shit and um and we play all kinds of stuff man we we uh like now i just like realized that there's so many different avenues of music that i like that it's it's kind of fun to share with people and see what gets a reaction and what doesn't you know that's dope you mentioned um rjd2 have you heard of um l orange or Larange. Um, orange. I call yeah, it L-Orange. I guess that's orange in French, right? Larange. La yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I, I'm not 100 sure, but I feel like it is. But uh, I I feel like I've seen the name, but I don't. I'm not. It's not ringing a bell though. Is it? It's a producer like RJ. Kind okay. Of? Correct. Yeah. It's it's a little more lo-fi. He he loves to use old movie samples. It's 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 kind of what you were describing. Um, not as heavy because they do. He does have a little more bounce to his production. But um, it is kind of, it has, it's real moody. Um, you'll have like real old singing samples. Um, and I'm talking about before Soul. And uh, and he's done he's done projects with some not so known cats, but I'm always impressed by what he puts together. The most recent one he did was um, an album with a young dude named Jeremiah J. And it was called Complicate Your Life with Violence. Um Solid, solid project. And before that, he did one, a project called Marlo with uh, an MC by the name of Solemn Brigham. And and I guess they're working on part two now. But yeah, he's done work with Blue, Homeboy Sandman, uh, a host of others. And uh, and it's it's right along that same so, vein. Yeah, as I got to check him out. I, I definitely feel like I've seen his name listed either like at... Uh, like when we're out on the road or just like when I'm looking at other artists, I see his name because the name sounds familiar, but I got to check his shit yeah. out because I'm not up on it, though. Is there anyone that you would like any producer that you would like um, to work with? I, I actually I've been talking to RJ about working on some shit for like a couple of years now. He sent me a track that's fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't I just I tried a couple hooks on it and I never locked anything down on it. Um, but I, that's one that I've always mm-hmm. wanted to work with. LP is one that I've always wanted to work with. We've talked about working a few times and, and it's just, mm-hmm. has, it hasn't panned out. Um, and then, um, that, that Swedish dude, uh, Gala Matthias is up there for me too. I would really love to fuck with his shit. I think he's got a great, like super dope sound that I could really get down on. So, um, yeah, there's still a bunch out there, but, and you know what, one of still the most like producers that have been out there for, since I was coming up in hip hop, um, that I've I've come cl- so close mm-hmm. to working with and not is DJ Premier. Premier, like, yeah. Wow. I on my first record deal, we got a meeting with Premier. I went to New York. I went to D&D. I sat in the studio with him, listened to fucking stories. Me, him, and Alchemist kicked it. Yeah. Wow. I, was, I was trying to get me yeah. at the same time, so we arranged the meeting, and because Al and Primo were cool, they said, oh, we'll just meet at D&D and just knock this meeting out together. I was like, cool, like, fuck yeah, let's go. And then what ended up being really cool about that was um, when I got there, it was just supposed to be meeting for the beats, right? So I played them a couple of my joints, freestyles and shit. And then they were like, all right, cool. And we just kind of like were talking. And it was me and the label rep and shit. So we were there talking to them. And then while we were there, one of the old homies that used to go on the road with Gangstar 
um, back in the day came through unexpectedly and Primo hadn't seen him in like five to six years or some shit like that. He hadn't seen him in a long time. So he was like, yo, my bad, man, this is my boy. And I was like, no, of course, man, it's all good. And then basically they had like a reunion while I was there. So then they were like, we smoked the blunt and we were just kicking it. And we were like, you know, he they were talking about how fucking Nas recorded Illmatic in that booth and how big he got fucking head in that booth and like all this hip hop fucking history, this amazing shit that happened. And I'm just there 21, 22 years old, getting high as fuck fly on the wall while they're like reliving all these like epic memories, you know, it was like my, one of my most like favorite hip hop moments to date, you know, and that was me basically trying to get a beat trying to get production from him and unfortunately at the time the it just from politics or whatever fell through and it didn't happen and i came really close mm. and and since then i've talked to um his manager ian a couple times recently about trying to get it together and it's just like it keeps evading me but it's like one of those ones man where i, I if i don't mm. rock a primo beat before my like time on the planet is done i'll be fucking disappointed <laughs> it sounds like me and I hate to drag my fandom into it but it sounds like me not seeing a New York Knicks championship oh, before man, I, I, I pass like, which I think I think it's going to be easier for you to get on uh, a primo track than it is for, for the Knicks, though, Knicks man, championship because, uh, my dad the first basketball the first NBA games I ever went to were Knicks games uh, my, yeah my dad my dad ah, was a you. tennis pro at um at Roosevelt Island and uh yeah, he used to teach there and wow. he had a pretty decent, like a dope clientele. Like he taught Dinkins for a little while. He was teaching like some actors and um, he got a hookup somehow to get okay. some tickets. And he, he took us to a few, he took us to like Knicks Pacers. He took us to a Knicks heat uh, playoff game back in the day. Uh, so yeah, I, my, my, okay. my introduction to NBA basketball was the Knicks. So I'll always like kind of pull for the Knicks too. And I watch, uh, do you watch Jesus Samaro? Yes, yes, big yeah, big so, bodega yeah, so boys they're always fan, picking up the, the Knicks too. So I'm like, and I can I can appreciate and respect what it's like to feel for a franchise like that because I'm a Dolphins fan, you know. Got you, got you. Yeah, there is a tie there. No, and like you said, Jesus and Mero, they're they're very accurate with their uh, description as to what uh, a Knicks fan goes through. They're, I think that's pretty much the the, the most on point. I remember last season it was like, hey, as long as they covered the spread, yeah, that was like a they're win. Really honest about like their fans, but at the same time they know that like the Knicks are trash to a degree. You know what I'm saying? But like they want them to be better, and every time they have a chance, they get they get hopeful the way we get hopeful with the Dolphins. And so I I, I relate to their the, to the Knicks yeah. struggle, you know. And I still I pull for them. I'd be happy to see them win one. Yeah. Well, I'll be happy. I'll be ecstatic. When I hear a wreck verse over a cream beat, that's going to happen. We're going to try it out bro. there. I've come so fucking sure. close yeah. a couple times, and it's just like – and then, you know, Tech Tech Nine is also uh, – Tech Nine's also very cool with Primo over the years, um, and they've talked about doing shit yeah. together and haven't pulled it off either. So I've, like, had the conversation with Tech, and I've I've, I've spoken to his management, and just like, ah, it's just one of those ones that's just like it, – it, really, Primo and LP are, like, <laughs> the two, like, unicorns that I've, like – I'll be chasing and, and LP has been very yeah. cool to me. Um, I, I met him in New York when, okay. uh, shit. Uh, I think maybe the first time was, um, DJ Eclipse had like, uh, an anniversary party for his radio show. And I, I went, I just saw recently a okay. video he posted on his Instagram of pace one and a couple other MCs like ciphering and i was there i kind of low-key forgot about this it was so long ago and i was there with my sidekick ready to kick my verse or whatever and pace one i'm a huge pace one fan and i had like kind of like 
it was so long ago now I, I kind of like forgotten I was who who was in the room when I was there you know so um but at that time I met a lot of like really dope MCs and uh LP I believe I met him for the first time there and he was always really cool with me and every time he came to Miami mm. He'd always show me a ton of love and like, you know, he'd come backstage, have a beer with us or whatever. Um, and yeah, man, just the last few times I've seen him, he showed me a lot of love and I've been talking to him. I've sent him a couple of records and it's just trying to find the right record. And also at the right time with his current run, the jewel schedule is fucking, it's like, it's like trying to hit a oh, moving yeah. target that's on a moving target. You know, it's fucking hard, man. Yeah, right. exactly. Well, so tough, but he's been yeah. so like cool and responsive to me. He's shown me a lot of love. Like he fucking he gave me uh tickets to come see them when they opened up for Lord in the fucking American Airlines arena. And when I was were you yo, he shouted me out during the show. Me and I was I fucking yeah. lost my mind, you know. I was like, yeah. oh, so fucking cool, man. He's always <laughs> I'm like such a fanboy for his. I try to be like a peer, but I'm not. I'm just like, I can't help it. I'm a fan, you know. It's like one of those things where they say, like, you shouldn't act like a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like, man, I'm sorry. I'm a fan. I can't fucking yeah. help it. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of that show was when um Killer Mike so effectively introduced himself to all the parents of the young girls that, that were dragged there by their young daughters to go watch Lord. And he says, this is an opportunity for you parents to have what I like to call what my parents had with me, which was the, um, was it the two life <laughs> crew conversation? Yeah. Like, cause y'all about to yeah. hear some nah, it was shit. A weird atm- <laughs> it was definitely one of the strangest atmospheres because I mean, I know about Lord, but I didn't really know what her fan base was like. And then to see Run the Jewels in a stadium or an arena was already like, whoa, this is interesting. You know, this is not yeah. your average hip hop show. And then on top of that, to see the crowd that was there um, when they went on, it was just like it was a very interesting experience, you know. But I give Lord props for putting them on the bill. And then they did their thing and they killed it. And it was just like an interesting, like dynamic all around yeah no and then they also killed it with which they didn't do it that night but they also have the um they did a remix lp did a remix to yes. the supercut which i'm i'm not i don't i don't know lord's discography but that was no, one of the killed, songs she had done it. it was called supercut and it probably yeah he's a, it was nuts i'm so heavy at this point i've, I've been trying to really get him on, on to rap on a joint of mind i want him to feature but um i'd just be as happy mm-hmm. with rap rocking on one of his beats but i feel like since run of the jewels started his uh getting production from him has become so elusive um that it's because he doesn't really produce yeah. for anyone anymore that i don't even bar- i don't even bother barking up that tree i'm just like bro if you want to rap on my shit i would love to feature you guys you know and and from ba- from a few years from well from the when i joined mayday and we were doing a lot of like work with other mcs uh mike was supposed to do a verse with us way pre-run the jewels so um killer mike had always said he owed mayday a verse when he went to strange music to tour the building and the, the facilities and shit he told travis from strange hey don't forget tell mayday i owe them a verse you know so i was like oh man that's very cool he remembers and i was always hoping i could put them two together and get a run the jewels feature on a rec track that was like my dream, you know, but it's, uh, it's one of those ones I'm just like slowly chasing and just hoping for the best one day lightning will strike for me. I'm persistent. Time, I'm, I'm not going to, so <laughs> I got time. 
There you go, for sure. Hey, all right, we talk music. There's only one thing left to do. Oh, wait a minute. Since we're already here, I figure, you know, let's get it done. Um, where can they find oh, your man. music? We're talking um, beats. You can we find me well. on all the socials. It's uh, at Recognize, which is W-R-E-K-O-N-I-Z-E. Um, I'm at, if you want to find it the easiest, you can just go to the website. It's uh, RecognizeTheMusic.com. And um, yeah, that's it. And then I'm on all the all the streaming networks. So anywhere you can find your favorite music, um, I'm on there. I got a few albums on there. And then I got this new EP out. And I should be dropping the second EP now. It, it was supposed to be May 22nd, but the pandemic fucked up all the mixing schedule. So uh, right now I'm mixed, but I'm not mastered. And then I don't have a release date yet. So I'm hoping in the next like two to three weeks, I'll get get some information there. Well, now we all know where to stay tuned to figure that out, yeah. to figure the news out as soon as it drops. Um, if you like what you're hearing and you really want to get involved, I know you also have a yes, uh, Patreon. thank you for shouting you that out. I appreciate you. They will appreciate that, too. It's a very cool community of folks that have, like, uh, and it, it started last year because I wanted to fundraise for... I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do 52 freestyles, but I got to get them mixed. I didn't want to, like, I can semi-mix them myself, but they won't sound good unless I go to, like, a pro, you know? So I wanted to go to a pro, but even at a fucking discounted rate, I'm spending at least five five to six racks, you know? Um, and I, and that's on music that's not yeah. returning any money, you know? Uh, so I was like, fuck, how am I going to do this? How am I going to drop yeah. fucking $5,000 over the course of a year on music that doesn't return anything? You know what I'm saying? It's just promotional. Um, so one of one of the fans that, that supports me a lot su- suggested to me, actually a few of them suggested, yo, you should fuck with Patreon. And I had kind of heard of it a little bit here and there, but I hadn't pulled the trigger. And I was like, man, that's a good idea. So I started it more as a fundraiser, really. And um, it got so the community got so like supportive towards the end of the year that I asked them, I was like, look, do y'all want to keep it going? If you guys want to keep it going, man, I'll continue to like I'll focus content specifically for you guys and I'll, I'll figure out how to make this cool. And if, if you guys want to keep directly supporting me and they were all about it. So we've continued to do it. Um, and it's just like it's been very, a very cool experience for me because it's put me in touch with some of the most like strongest supporters of mine um and it uh, just being in touch Mm. with that like 200 people has like given me more motivation than throwing music into the abyss because i see the numbers of when i put music out and they're decent they're not bad but i want more i definitely want more traction and to get like the direct feedback and be like directly in touch with some of the most passionate people that support my shit is a great motivator. And it's just been a really like cool experience. So I do uh weekly music streams for them. Uh, I do early previews to new music. Uh, we do, we have a discord like chat server that we're on. We all talk shit on throughout the day. Um, and then I do vault posts where I'll like dig up old records that no one's ever heard or demos and, and give them that, uh, give them discounts on merch. Like I just try to take care of them. And then they, you know, they support me through like, I have four different tiers on there. So it's just like a very cool community of like, you know, of people who want to fuck with my music and shit, which has been, it's been cool, man. It's been very cool. Excellent. Um, my peoples, if you want to get involved, get involved. Um, you're doing something different, unheard of, where you're actually bringing them into the creative process at some point. That's a hell of a look. Um, that's why I have a feeling that once there's going to come a point where you're going to be able to get these songs with either LP or Premiere, because you're bringing people in to this and making them a part of it and that yeah it's like they pays itself back like a um 
an un, like an official unofficial street team for me, which is cool. Like uh, uh, DJ Hopper, who's like uh, done a lot of work with Funk Volume and Hopson, he was uh, tweeting, uh, yo, who would you guys want to hear me do a record with? And a lot of the crew the wrecking crew folks went over there and l- let him know, yo, you should fuck with recognize, you know, he's really dope. Gave him reasons why tracks or whatever. And he, he heard the message and he hit me up, you know, and he hit me up and was like, yo, I want to get you on this next project. A lot of folks hit me up about your shit. So it's like the, the power in numbers has been like very cool. And it's like allowed me to focus my energy uh, into like creating things that are specifically for the people that support me the most, which I think is cool. And I, I've, I, for the most part, have never really had to defend doing it. But like recently we had somebody call into question, like putting material behind some sort of like pay structure. And I was like, bro, check this out. I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. If there's any artist that could do that justifiably because they've done enough work on the on the public sphere inspector or whatever, uh, it's i feel like it's me you know what i'm saying like i've I've given you all this mayday shit i've given you all this solo shit i last year i gave you 52 freestyles for free like i'm just gonna come over here and give the vips that want to throw you know two three bucks five bucks ten bucks whatever it is per month and i'm gonna give them some focused attention and uh, to me that's that's a cool exchange you know and it keeps me going and it keeps me in the fucking music business which is very hard to stay in right now incredibly hard for real indeed no small feat man producing something every week for 52 weeks um definitely definitely earned well deserved but it's gonna happen i know for sure <clears throat> i mean I, I talk like i know but i know one thing's for sure is that there's only one thing left mm. to do on this podcast and that's pretty much wrap this segment up and get into the pinnacle oh. the mountaintop it's the yeah. eat segment bruise visa the podcast y'all stick around Bruce Bees and Easter Podcast. Yes. And not only are we talking about good food, not only talking about eating food, uh, we're going to talk about my guest's food tastes, where he likes to eat, what he likes to eat, something he can't live without. But we can start off, I guess, in the, I guess we could cover it all. If I, if I were to tell you, Rack, yo, one day, 24 hours from start to finish, what would, what would those meals look like? Um, and is this limited? Is this Miami? Is this like limited? Like right now, if I'm at home, or is this traveling? Or travels? Let, let's get let's get domestic, domestic and international with it. <laughs> so so distance is no no no. Um, what do you call it? No, it's no no, no thing. No detriment to it, and calories don't count. Okay, all right. Um, man, I I'll, I'll have to kick it off with a fucking wake up and have a killer brunch. You know what I mean? I'll probably do. Uh, just because I'm a road dog and I like to, this is like a step up from your average like Waffle House experience. I would go eggs in a basket at Cracker Barrel, <laughs> even though some of my tour mates do not fuck with Cracker Barrel because they they believe that they're racist there. But I I haven't experienced <laughs> it's the rocking that. chairs. I'm telling you, it's the rocking chairs. The rocking chairs definitely have a little vibe to it, and you know they have a sordid history too. So I feel a little bit funky about bigging them up. But whatever, I'm just being real. It's it's definitely one of my like all like politics aside and whatever. Gotcha. They've never disrespected anyone in my face, and um. And I've been to, I've been there with all kinds of different like fucking races and genders and everything. So uh, I never experienced anything bad there, but I've mm-hmm. just had to mention it because there is something, they're in question. Their validity is in question, but 
their eggs in a basket's fire. <laughs> um, so I, I like that's something I like to eat on the road a lot when we, you know, when we have the chance. And then um, I would say lunch. I'm probably gonna have to do. Um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna have to throw in that Jack Stacks that I spoke of before. Uh, okay. The Kansas City barbecue is fucking amazing to me. I I know there's like a there's a bit of a war going on between you know uh, Carolina, Texas, um, J- uh, Kansas City barbecue, but to me, yeah. Kansas City barbecue hands down has the has it for me. Like they just. I like their sauce better. It's a little sweeter. I'm definitely a sugar junkie. So like I can respect the sweeter sauce rather than like vinegar sauce, Um, you know? And then, uh, so like I would definitely, they do like their brisket is fucking super good. Their burnt ends are super good. Um, Mm. So I would, I would be there for dinner and then, uh, I mean, for lunch, I mean, and then for dinner, I'm trying to think of uh, one of my favorite, like, um, you know, I'm going to go, let me, let me throw some Miami shit in here real quick. Um, There's a spot called Finca. Uh, which okay. is out west. Um, it's is an amazing spot. They do like craft cocktails, and then they do like it's basically Cuban, Korean, Japanese fusion. So, Real, yeah. So they do like they got a killer oxtail dish. They got like bimbi bop bowls. They got fucking. Um, they got what they got. Uh, they got some good like seafood salmon dishes and shit. But then they also have like croquetas and shit. You know what I mean? So they have like a very eccentric mix of food but the food is very very good you know so uh finca is definitely one of my miami spots i like um and then i gotta i gotta say a couple more if i'm going let's say i go late night uh to me la La sandwicherie is one of the best sandwiches you can get in the country and that would be here in miami um you get a fucking croissant sandwich from the sandwicherie you are whoo that shit is ridiculously (laughs) good man um so yeah, that's one of my spots I like a lot too, you know. And then you know what I'm gonna shout? This day's gonna get real long, but uh, if, I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna squeeze in one more meal just because I want to talk about them, I mean, there was I imagine there was a performance somewhere between you know what I'm saying dinner and then that sandwich. We do a so. lot. Of, we do a lot of eating on the road. That is for sure. I, actually, really on the road, um, that's the one like stress reliever that I can, can like really get my fucking like hands on when I'm out there, you know, like I find right. like eating good food is the one thing that really brings me back to center because um, mm. on the bus tours, we feed ourselves on the bus a lot. They buy groceries and you have a fridge, you have a fucking little st- uh, George Foreman grill, you got a microwave. So you can kind of like eat better and control what you eat more. But when we're on those van tours, we often have, we really can't store food. We can't make our own fucking smoothies and shit. We have to go out and, like procure food elsewhere all the time, you know? So, um, it's difficult to eat good, but, um, you can, well, it's difficult to eat healthy, but you can eat good, you know? And a lot, (laughs) and a lot of times I'll, I'll take advantage and eat good in a lot of these favorite spots that I have. Um, there's a Brazilian bowl spot that's called five on black. Um, the first time that we had it, it was in Missoula, Montana, but now I know they have one or two in Colorado and I know they're expanding, but, it's basically like a Brazilian version of Chipotle to a degree. I, and I'm not a Chipotle fan. I don't really fuck with Chipotle, but the theory in theory is cool. I get it. I just don't okay. like, I think their food is like too, way too fucking salty, but uh five on black though is a fire version of what that's supposed to be like. It's very like nice. very good. Like your protein selections, you go in there and you can kind of like, it's just like the, the ingredients they have is so good that no matter what you choose to put in this bowl, I'm telling you right now, it's fire. It's fire. 
five on five on black the place is amazing what's crazy about the food world is i don't really know what the landscape's gonna look like when we go back out on our next tour because of all this pandemic shit very true you know it's like there's all these favorite places i have that might not survive this you know it's crazy or or just the the the, what they call the new normal um adapting to even working around it if you know if they're still around that it's 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 a trip and you're thinking you're going to pull up to a place and now they're going to have what 25% occupancy to start off or maybe 50 it's like how do they regulate who's been, who's been there an hour and a half yet totally. um yeah 100% no nah, it's 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 insane and then you think of like some businesses are equipped to handle it fairly well and then there's some you know there, there are mom and pop shops that i can think of like uh in Colorado Springs, there's a place called Spice Island Grill, Jamaican restaurant. It was on Triple D. It was on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Fucking, it, the place is crazy good, Jamaican food. And it's in the middle of fucking, you would never expect to find it in Colorado Springs, you know? Um, mm. And they, the place is fire. We go there every year. They, we've been going there so long now, once a year, that when we walk in, they know us. They're like, oh, like we're like regulars, but only once a year. You know, yeah, yeah, we walk in and she's like, Oh, my boys are here. She like knows us and shit. And and the food is um, that good that we go. I'm it's when I go to Colorado Springs, it's the first place I go, you know. Um, and, and it's consistent, I imagine, because if you guys are going back, it's like it's it's consistent to say the least. Yeah, I was surprised the first couple of times she like remembered us, you know, a year or two later, that I was like, damn, it's crazy. She remembers us. Like, I know we got introduced by someone that she like that used to bring her a lot of customers like a dude who would like mm-hmm. kick it with a lot of artists and then yeah. um she just kind of like yeah i just couldn't believe they remembered us only because we'd only be there once in a year i can't remember people that meet once in a year you know what i mean like i gotta no, sure. i gotta see you a few times to remember you and shit but uh yeah she was always like the the owner is always really cool and her family's really cool with us so when we go in they always take really good care of us and um it's just a yeah it's like a spot man that's what i it really is my favorite part of touring man i love um obviously outside of like doing the music and seeing the fans the thing that is the job what is the like fringe benefit that comes from touring it's the food man it's really um all the other shit is cool but i could do like if i could like one thing that i'm like i have to have to go on the road or right now that i would be motivated to go on the road for it's the food man i've just been able to like you get lucky to like be exposed to so many different spots and find some of the best food you'll ever eat you know yeah, I, I can imagine you racked up a list of spots. Like you said, considering what's happening now, hopefully that that can, that list continues to grow, and uh, uh, you know, hopefully a lot of these spots don't suffer a fate where they just won't be able to keep the doors open. So. Oh man, yeah, I know it's crazy. I'm I, you, when you hear of like uh, companies like fucking Shake Shack and the fucking L.A. Lakers and and Quantum uh, getting like millions of dollars that they don't really need. Some of them are turning it, some of them not. It makes you sad to think about that they're not, you know, they're not even dishing out anything or very little to companies like these small mom and pop shops that are doing great work and making amazing shit um, and just don't have the pull to get the check. You know, it's just like fucked up. Yeah. The the spots that most, the spots that most affect a community um, and, and the growth of an area um yeah they're staples and and you like you said you've got companies major companies that are getting this money and and all they're gonna do is look for a way to bring in more money and consider everyone just a, a dollar amount as opposed to someone who you know who's they can reach out and touch you know what i'm saying 100 percent. no yeah it's it's uh it's it's scary to think like when we do go back out like i, I don't know I've, I've seen franchises big franchises close in miami 
already mm-hmm. already from this, you know, and and mm-hmm. uh, that makes me like when I saw that, I was like, oh wow, I'm scared to think what's going to happen for some of the smaller businesses that really need. So I've been trying my, I've I've been trying to do my part as like a eats fan. I've been trying to like mm-hmm. order food from. Uh, it's like a selfish support because it's like I'm I'm ordering food because I love it, but I'm also in my back of my mind being like, well, I'm just I'm really just trying to also support this business I know that needs it, you know. So it's like it's like yeah. a weird, it's like a fake charitable thing to do because like I'm really just ordering food I like, so you know what I mean. But at the same time, yeah. in the back of my head, I'm subconsciously legitimizing ordering this food and spending money that maybe I shouldn't spend at this moment on this food because I'm trying to keep them in fucking business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with me and beer. It's like, I find myself at least on a weekly basis, trying to re- you know, get to a different brewery, um, support as many as I can when I can. And like you said, it's a little tough considering the situations. I- I'm-, I'm fortunate that I've been able to keep a 40 hour work week. Um, so there is income coming in, but you find it, and of course you pull up and you're like, yo, I just want to make sure, you know, I- I'm willing to pay for this product, but I also want to make sure I take care of you guys. Cause if, no, if you guys don't get taken care of, this might not be here again. So understood. Totally. hundred percent, man. We got to do our, we got to do our part. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I know you mentioned sweets, uh, dessert. What would an ideal dessert look like? Um, the craziest dessert I ever had. Well, really, I'm a, um, I used to be a brownie dude. I'm like a cookie guy now. I love cookies, man. Good classic. You don't have to be nothing crazy fancy, like a good old fashioned chocolate chip cookie really fucking can do the trick for me. Um, I also love dark chocolate. That's my new shit. Cause it's my way of like, kind of like feeding the sugar beast without really getting into the sugar. So I'll do like yeah. a high ass percentage, 92% bitter as fuck piece of dark chocolate. And that'll keep me kind of on, on the edge. I used to be, um, savage with like, you know, all kinds of candy, chocolate, all that shit. And I've like cooled down a little bit now. Cause I got whatever, dark, another dark turn of old man shit, but, um, I got high blood pressure, bro. So it's, it's like the sugar really fucks that up, you know? Um, but yeah, I've like I found a way now to kind of manage it in moderation where it's cool. But I'll tell you, tying back into the road, um, we were in North Carolina or South Carolina, I can't remember exactly, but we went to a little bar that was around the corner from a venue we were playing once, and they did a cinnamon bread pudding, like a, a cinnamon roll bread pudding. And that shit <laughs> was the most fucked up, crazy good. Ever fucking had, dude. Like literally, me and Burns left there, and I was like, "Bro, I'm like floating out this motherfucker. Like this is the best dessert I have ever had, hands down. And I've had a fuck ton of desserts, you know. But this, it was a cinnamon roll bread pudding. These motherfuckers came for they they came for blood. It was fucked up. It was so good though. So fucking good. They were out to do damage. Like I mean, I mean, and and just leave an impression because you guys walk you walked away from it going, yo. That was actually good. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. I mean, when we when we heard, I mean, me and Burns, we 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 both into the desserts and shit. But we um, we we when we saw it on the menu, we were like, oh, was like we fuck with bread pudding, but I mean, yeah. I fuck with cinnamon rolls. Burns is like whatever about cinnamon rolls, but I fuck with them. But and, and so I was like, wait a second, cinnamon roll bread pudding sounds excessive and aggressive. And 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 the waiter was like, it's the fucking best thing you'll ever eat in your life and i was like all right we'll take it let's go and we and we got it and yeah he didn't disappoint that shit was fucking fire so if you ever see cinnamon roll bread toast somewhere fucking seize the day get that shit don't don't hesitate do not hesitate do not sleep sure hey Orek, um man we talked we uh we discussed 
your early beginnings in music, your influences, and where you find yourself at now. You tried the beers. You gave us your thoughts on the beers. You even were cool enough to rank them for yeah, us. I'm actually we touching talk. the Florida man as we speak. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't <laughs> help yourself. Um, what else we do? Oh, we talked we talk some more of your music, where they could find your music. And, and we just discussed eats, man. Um, like my man Rex says, <clears throat> it's recognizethemusic.com. Also, make sure you get out to the gtfohpodcast.com. Yeah. Check out those episodes. Um, you're going to be entertained. Uh, and it's just the stories that, that Rex shares with us. They're ridiculous. Like you said, they're Florida stories. Some Florida stories are some that are just headlines in general. And then you, you get an insight, an insight to, to the, the thoughts and the, and the process behind him putting together some of these songs. Uh, which is pretty dope too. Yeah, we just pretty we just dope. started doing the breakdowns, which was kind of cool. It was like uh, something that one of the like uh, listeners brought up. Actually, it was one, it was one of the Wrecking Crew members brought it up, and he was like, "Yeah, I want to like kind of hear the story behind a certain song." And people started reacting to that, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, you know what? People are telling me they want it to be longer, anyways. I'm still trying to keep it at an hour, but uh, with the yeah. breakdowns now, it pushes the show a little bit over an hour. But uh, people st- react a lot to wanting to hear that stuff behind the music. So now I just tell them to call in and ask, and and whichever track I pick for that week, we'll just break it down and talk some shit. And sometimes I have old demos to play, so it's it's been a cool little like a uh, new segment to add to the show dope dope my peoples this is bruce beast and easter podcast as always i'd like to thank my get my guest rec for taking the time sitting down and talking it up with me i'd like to thank you the listener for tuning in yet another week if you enjoyed what you heard tell a friend if you didn't enjoy it tell an enemy hey. tell somebody let them all let them know it's on all streaming platforms you can keep up with me on ig at bruce beats the letter n eats Recognize what's the IG? It's uh W R E K O N I Z for me. Um, and then it's gonna be the G T F O H podcast for the show. My man recognized Billy Baggins, Billboard yeah. Baggins. There's there's a there's a nasty and a nerdy thing that goes along with it. Tune into the podcast, you'll find out the order. <laughs> Straight up. Rick, I just gotta ask you one more thing. Can we hit him with the stamp one time? Oh man, let's let's do it. You gotta do it. Get the fuck out of here. He told you. Come on. Peace. Cheers. Um, my go-to beer, like this is going to be for like a beer podcast is going to be blasphemy, but I'm just going to say, it cause I'm gonna keep it fucking real. Um, uh, when I'm like just chilling and I want something low key and light, my girl got me into Miller light. I know it's piss beer. I know it's like not, it's, you know, most people tip their nose at it or whatever. Um, but, but to me, it's just like, if I just want to drink something that I, I don't really, I'm not looking for like a punch, you know? And you're also catching me coming off of like a really rough year last year. So like, I'm like down, I'm downshifting, you know what I'm saying? From last year and like the amount of alcohol intake, right? Which is, again, a weird thing to say on a beard podcast and shit, but whatever. Um, so really it's going to be Miller Lite if I really am not looking for nothing crazy. Um, if I really want to get something like popping, um, I love Chimay. Chimay is like, um, definitely up there for me and also i would say um lately i've been really into um vezasur makes um uh, what's the shit called now i think it's mala yerba or some shit like that it's one they got one that i really like a lot um and i, I fuck with their shit too i've been trying to drink more local shit lately 
That is a great question. Um, I guess right now at the moment, I would say probably the Beatles are probably up there for me. Um, just because of like the sheer amount of like material they have, um, the catalog, the things they did, uh, like in terms of like technologically, like how they broke barriers. Um, I just think like that, yeah, as a group, like they just transcended so many different times. I, so I would have the Beatles pretty high up there. Um, and then just because, you know, I'm a hip hop kid, I got to throw in, um, uh, my hip hop favorite artist would probably be, um, I would say Feral Monch is my favorite MC of all time. And and the, when I say that it's um it's cuz the you know this you can have this argument in so many different ways and shit, but for me like pound for pound skill level like creativity wise um just like when I hear him rap he makes me want to rap, it's Feral Monch. Oh man. Um I love barbecue, man. I I fucking love barbecue. And even though it's like it was not like I was in such high anxiety last year. I was trying to avoid like eating a lot of beef and shit because it was like kicking my blood pressure up or I thought it was anyways. Uh, so um, I, regardless, though, I would say right now, if I like, you know, if I was going to have my last meal, um, there's a barbecue spot in Kansas City called um, Jack Stacks. And I would go there. They have the most amazing burnt ends, like the beef burnt ends with um, cheesy corn bake on the side. And then uh, what's the other side I always get there? They got really bomb coleslaw. And um, they got another dish there that I really love, too. I, f- I forget what it is now. But um, I would say, yeah, the burnt ends at Jack Stacks is like the go to for me. If I can if I can fuck that up, it's a good day. Um, MCN started very young for me. It's, uh, going back till I was maybe about like nine, 10 years old. Um, in terms of just music in general, I started writing, like trying to write songs when I was like nine or 10, my, both my parents are into music. So my dad, um, my dad and my mom met when he was in a band and my mom became like a backup singer in his band. He plays guitar. Um, he's been like a songwriter, singer songwriter my whole life. And, um, and yeah, I was just looked up to him doing it. He never encouraged us to go into music, but me and my sister just idolized my dad. Uh, we didn't gr- we didn't grow up with him because my parents split up when I was like seven. So uh, for the, those like next few years between like seven and nine, we'd go visit him in New York. He lives in uh, in Manhattan, so we go kick it up there with him. And um, around maybe I think maybe right around when I hit nine. Um, we were in New York with my dad and we, me and my sister were asking him like, how do you write a song? You know? And he, he, he said, all right, well, I'll I'll show you right now. You know? So he like got the guitar out and we sat there, the three of us, and we wrote a record together and, you know, mostly him, but he was guiding us. We were trying to help and shit. And, um, and then, yeah, he took us into a studio in New York and scheduled studio time and, and we went and recorded it. And that was like my first session, like nine, just, just after I turned nine. So, um, yeah, we did a song called tell me which way. And then I was like, I fell in love. I was like hooked from that moment, you know, and uh, between like nine and 11, I started to like really just start, start to write poems, write like what I thought were, you know, songs, my first attempts at songs. And then right around like 11, I got introduced to to hip hop for real. And I started to really get into hip hop. And then it really kind of like ruined me in terms of like singing, because at first at that time, fucking singing wasn't cool in hip hop, you know? Yeah, nobody yeah. wanted to do everyone hated r&b and everyone's like fuck singing and shit so i kind of like didn't I, I stopped like trying to sing and i was like yo i'm a fucking rap you know and i and i started really getting into to emceeing from that point you know like i got snoop's uh doggy style album i got biggie's ready to die and from there i was like okay. i'm i'm in this i'm hooked you know 